0: You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, as always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid he copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. I want to shout out the Peacock and Williamson podcast? I went on there not too long ago. You can probably still find that one. Uh, I was, I think, a week ago. to Talk about the Vikings, but they are a national show. One of the two national NFL shows we have on the Locked On Podcast Network. Go check that out with Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt. Williamson. Today is yet another day in paradise. We're talking more about Vikings training camp and finally today a practice went off without some crazy news happening. Um, As for I guess we'll always just kind of start these with injury news. So as for that the Vikings got a little bit healthier on Wednesday. Wyatt Davis was back as what I think was a full participant. He might not be listed as a full participant but he did team drills and that's like the biggest thing So he's more or less back. I want to say he might have been held a little, like they might have been giving him a little bit of a lighter workload than they usually would. Um, But he was mostly a full participant. And then Christian Deresaw was in pads, did individual drills, but not the team drills. So he was limited. They're still easing him back as he recovers from that surgery on uh, his, I think it was a groin injury or a core surgery or something like that. Um, So he's still easing back, but it's nice to see progress. Um, And I guess let's continue on with the offensive line. I want to talk to you about the offensive line. I want to talk a little bit about um, KJ Osborne and I also want to talk a little bit of just about like training camp hype and kind of the the generalities of it because we're starting to see some narratives come out of training camp about KJ Osborne being good about you know Jake Browning and stuff and how to kind of cut through the noise and actually get to what is an actionable piece of information that you can use to to make yourself more, understanding of how the Vikings are looking so I want to have that discussion a little bit later in the show but let's start with some of the offensive line goings on so the other injury thing is that Rashad Hill was out um Tyler Conklin is still out and Anthony Barr did not participate on Wednesday Anthony Barr was a weird one I didn't see him do any rehab I saw Conklin do rehab um I didn't see Rashad Hill doing any rehab either Um, And sometimes when you don't do rehab, it's because you don't have an injury to rehab. It's just a veteran day. And like Anthony Barr takes those sometimes. So maybe that was him. But uh, I I don't know what the deal is with uh, Rashad Hill, who also missed some time on Tuesday. That seems like there might be something else going on with him specifically. Um, And then, of course, Tyler Conklin. I think someone saw him with an ankle wrap or something like that. And his rehab, he was working on the far field um, kind of rehabbing stuff. And it didn't seem like he was going that hard. I'm growing a little concerned about uh, Tyler Conklin. Usually rehab uh, kind of increases intensity as it goes along, right? As you can handle uh, more and more strenuous work. So seeing how lightly he was going, I'm a little bit concerned and I'm concerned about the just kind of like wordlessly disappearing for three days is never a good sign. Um, And if Tyler Conklin is out for like an extended period of time, obviously that means that the uh, next guys are Zach Davidson, Shane Zilstra, and Brandon Dillon, probably in the exact opposite order as how I listed them. Um, and in each of the last three days, they've each gotten the tight end to responsibilities. I think practically those uh, reps will probably or that job would go to Brandon Dillon. And then Zane, Shane Zilstra, and I think Zach Davidson is decently behind the other two. He had a pretty bad day today, but that's a total tangent. Sorry. So back to the offensive line. So with Rashad Hill out and Christian Darison not doing teamwork, that meant that the first team left tackle reps were split between Blake Brandle, who's been taking most of the second team tackle reps, and Oli Udo, who's been all over the place. Um, at the same time, Oli Udo was trading off first team right guard reps with... Uh, Dakota Dozier like he always has been. So Oli Udo was with the first team offensive line for most of the day in one position or another. Um, And he also took, I think, some second team right guard reps as well. So Oli Udo got a ton of work and he had a really good day. He was picking up stunts better than Dakota Dozier. He was run blocking better than Dakota Dozier. He was reach blocking more than Dakota Dozier typically would be asked to in uh, at least in the 2020 tape that I saw of Dozier. I think Oli Udo is creating a decent amount of separation. Now, That Again, it hasn't shown up on the scoreboard yet. My guess would be that if the Vikings wanted to stop having those two guys trade off reps, they would do so after the U.S. Bank Stadium practice on August 7th, because then they have a day off afterwards. They'll be able to review all that tape and make the decision. Um, So that would be my guess for when this kind of thing happens. But uh, it, it does seem, to my eye, like Ole Udo is a much better right guard than Dakota Dozier and is going to be a much tougher out for Wyatt Davis, who just returned. And I thought Wyatt Davis had an up-and-down day as a right guard. He had a pretty rough rep against Jordan Scott, who kind of swam him into oblivion. Um, He had given up a couple other pressures. Uh, He did have a really, really, really good block against, I want to say, Tough Borland, and later got into a fight with Tough Borland, um, which, you know, always love to see it, especially the, you know, Ohio State connection. Uh, which is kind of funny. I tweeted that out of uh, that there was a fight between Wyatt Davis and Tough Borland. That Wyatt Davis threw a punch, and all the Ohio State fans were like, <laughs> "Wyatt Davis, we are living vicariously through you." Because I guess it's Tough Borland's fault that the the Buckeyes lost the national championship, uh, as we talked about in a Storytime series thing. But yeah, that so that all happened. Um, but it was not a great day. First day back, you know, nothing to to lose your mind over. Um, but it was nice to see him, you know, back and actually working a little bit. And I hope we get to see Wyatt Davis work a little bit more too. Also importantly, no center work for uh Wyatt Davis. So there was all of that. And then at the left tackle spot, uh, there was Blake Brandle and Oli Udo. I think Oli Udo did better. Than Blake Brandle, but both of them struggled mightily because both of them were mostly going up against Daniel Hunter when it was the first team. Um, and even on the second team, um, or even when it wasn't Daniel Hunter, it was DJ Wanham who got, I think, all the first team reps at Edge Rusher. I don't know if somebody, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he got all the first team reps over there. And DJ Wanham did a pretty good job against those two guys as well. Um, and DJ Wanum's actually put together quietly a nice little camp. And I also want to just shout out Ezra Cleveland. Somebody asked me, you know, is Ezra Cleveland? I haven't heard anything about him. Um, I think somebody DM'd me that question. Um, Ezra Cleveland's had a, a a pretty nice camp. I think he looks good. There's been a couple blemishes a couple times where, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson will get the better of him or a stunt will get the better of him. But he he picked up stunts very well. Udo and Cleveland at left tackle, uh, when Udo's at left tackle like on that left side, were actually picking up stunts well, and then Udo would go over to the right side at guard and pick up stunts well. It's really impressive. And I think Oli Udo is one way or another going to find his way onto the starting lineup of this roster. For what it's worth, I thought, Blake Brandel did a decent job. I think Oli Udo outplayed him for sure. But a lot of those reps, they were first team left tackle reps. A lot of them came against Daniel Hunter for Blake Brandle. And of course, I mean he got obliterated there, but it's like kind of hard to evaluate anything from that. And when they went up against DJ Wanham, who got all of the first again, I think all of the first team uh edge reps in this particular practice, uh Blake Brandel kind of lost to DJ Wannham. And DJ Wanham had a pretty good day. Um because he was going up against Blake Brando, but he beat Oli Udo a couple times as well. I actually do think Oli Udo worked better on the right side than on the left side versus working better at, you know, his natural position of tackle versus guard. And I'm actually kind of surprised by that. I kind of feel like it's harder to switch uh, positions than it is to switch sides because you have to learn entirely new pass sets and new footworks and stuff like that. Um, But it seemed like playing tackle on the left side, Oli Udo did not do as good of a job as he did on, uh, at, at, at right guard. But that right guard position going to Oli Udo I think is an absolutely real possibility, um, and I do think he's kind of running away from Dakota Dozier. I want to talk a little bit about KJ Osborne. I want to talk a little bit about wide receivers and hype and stuff like that, as well as some about the linebacker competition. Um, I, I want to talk about that, too. I tried to spend a little more time watching the linebackers today. I, came, I had some interesting takeaways. But first, let me talk to you about your car. It is so crucial that you take care of your car. That means maintenance. That means oil changes every 5,000 miles or every six months, because I know a lot of people aren't driving as much as they used to. You still got to get that oil changed, because if it sits there, It can kind of go bad. It can like go stale or something like that. I don't know much about cars, but I do know you got to change your oil. If you are a DIY kind of person and you want to maybe learn how to change oil yourself, but it can be kind of intimidating getting the right kind of oil or the right kind of parts at all for your car. For that, go to rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a car parts and supplies aggregator. You want jumper cables, you can have them delivered directly to your door and they are just aggregating factory links. So you can just order a part directly from the factory instead of going through a brick and mortar auto shop that's going to upsell you because they've got overhead and a building to maintain. You can just order directly from the factory, cut out the middleman. You can get all sorts of car parts, everything from motor oil to gaskets to everyday supplies. Just go to rockauto.com, enter your make, your year, and your model, and they will do the research for you and make sure they're getting you car parts, oil, whatever, that is compatible with your car. They give you a bunch of options, and at checkout, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. There's a How You Heard About Us section. If you don't, the bunnies will cross state lines, and with what they're carrying, that's a federal crime. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about KJ Osborne. So he has been a standout in all of practice. And he continued to be a standout on Wednesday, um, really has a connection with Jake Brown. And Jake Browning even, like, posted on, I think it was Instagram, like, when in doubt, throw it up to Osborne. Um, and they really have a connection. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that they, like, had some kind of connection maybe on the third team last year in training camp where they would all be practicing. And I, I think it was either in my mentions or, or somewhere across my, my Twitter timeline, I saw somebody kind of say that, like, look, it's just training camp clips. Everybody always reads so much into training camp clips. And so we shouldn't read into to KJ Osborne. And that got me thinking there's like a lot of nuance to how to respond to that, because A, with Osborne specifically, it's not just training camp clips, but there is a greater discussion to be had about training camp hype. But first, let me just kind of describe what KJ Osborne is doing. A, his catch radius is very good. He is calling in inaccurate passes that he has to work harder than he should have to for. He had a great diving catch, he's high pointing balls over the middle. He's actually made quite a few and this is I think Jake Browning's like favorite throw is a crosser over the middle between the two linebackers in some kind of like triangle read type uh play and he throws it high where no linebackers can get it, very safe and the wide receiver can, you know, go up, take it and and bring it down. That's a, a favorite of KJ Osborne. He's also won some, you know, comeback some go balls And, uh, you know, some other stuff. And and he's been winning, like, really, really consistently. And that's the thing with K.J. Osborne is that it has been consistent. It's not just some cherry-picked good plays, but then, you know, a whole bunch of bad play elsewhere that we don't see because that's not what the Vikings Twitter account posted. No, it's good play all around kind of constantly. There's also with K.J. Osborne, look, he's getting all of the first-team reps at wide receiver three. That was supposed to be a rotation. That was supposed to kind of flip. Between maybe Chad Beebe would get them, and he's who got them in OTAs. Uh, maybe D.D. Westbrook would get them when he if he was back from the ACL. Maybe he might actually rotate in. Um, we'll see kind of what happens. But uh, with the way K.J. Osborne is playing, I wouldn't be surprised if Westbrook didn't even rotate in until he, like, earned it himself. But, you know, Amir Smith-Marset was supposed to rotate in bc johnson was supposed to rotate in when he was healthy like all of these guys were supposed to rotate around and kj osborne has just bullied them all off of the hill and now he's the king of it that is incredibly exciting because of the consistency look at any one given play sure you're not going to get much uh out of that with with kj osborne um but you know look at the entire body of work so far and it's easy to see why this is going well now he's not out of the woods yet it's still very very early kj osborne could fall off um he could you know stop making as many plays he could have a couple of bad preseason games and be right back down to the depth of the roster to the the you know deep parts of the roster right on the roster bubble as it stands now as he is playing right now if this keeps up or even if like this keeps up but about half as good i think he's a shoe in for the wide receiver three job. And that's really what we're trying to come up with here, right? We're not trying to say that KJ Osborne as wide receiver three is going to be like Scotty Miller, you know, who was like getting all these deep passes and had this great connection with Tom Brady. And, you know, they all go to the super bowl together that we're not trying to say that, right? We're trying to say that he's running away with the job. He's going to get the job, how he does in that job. When the season actually starts, depends on a lot of things, you know, it depends on a lot of factors, scheme and, you know, the defense they're going up against, how often they decide to use 11 personnel, Um, But the other thing about this is I'm a little worried about Tyler Conklin, like I talked about. If Tyler Conklin is out for a long period of time, the Vikings are not going to force everything into 12 personnel. They're going to still use a lot of 21, a lot of CJ Ham plays, and then they're going to use three wide receivers more, especially like if KJ Osborne is as good as he looks in training camp. Let's be real optimistic about that for a second. Let's say he's as good as he as as he looks and the next best tight end after Irv Smith is, like, Brandon Dillon, you're going to go with a five-man personnel, like a five-skill player set of, you know, Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, and then it'll be Irv Smith and K.J. Osborne, and that's an 11 personnel, and you run the wide zone that way. they got plenty of concepts. They'll be able to sustain that offense if they have to, and a a big reason they've been a big 12 personnel or two tight end team instead of three wide receivers, you know, two tight ends and two wide receivers, the reason they've done that I don't know if that's necessarily been out of, the, like, a theory that, you know, you get more yards out of plays with more tight ends or that it helps you run the ball better or anything like that. Those are all advantages uh that you could argue about for, you know, one personnel group over another. But at the end of the day, you're choosing between Irv Smith and Chad Beebe, if you want to go with, like, last year's roster. Or, you know, whoever the crappy wide receiver three is and Rudolph and Irv Smith. And now, you know, choosing between Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith or Irv Smith and K.J. Osborne was going to be the choice. And that was kind of who's competing over reps. If Tyler Conklin's out, now you're choosing between K.J. Osborne, who's killing it, and Brandon Dillon, who's like, fine. Then, or, you know, whoever the tight end to would end up being, whoever wins that job, if it's uh, Shane Zilstra or if Zach Davidson makes a miraculous comeback. That guy versus K.J. Osborne, the way he's playing right now, seems like a runaway. And so for everybody who's been begging for eleven personnel, an injury to Tyler Conklin might have to be the monkey's paw way that you get it. So that's part one of this whole thing about KJ Osborne. Um, that he it is not just, you know, the clips people are posting. He is genuinely playing well down to down to down, play to play, day to day. Um, and, and it's not fake. But the other part is how do we parse out, you know, training camp hype? How do we uh, figure out kind of what's real and what isn't? And I think that's a more interesting conversation to have. But first, let me talk to you about Bet online is your one-stop shop for all things Grambling. It's not too late. You can still bet on the last few things of the Olympics as they kind of come down to a close here over the next week. Uh, you can bet on NFL futures, things like Vikings over under nine wins. You can bet on where the Vikings will finish in the NFC North. And you can bet on basketball, baseball, whatever you want. Just head on over to BetOnline.ag. Set up a free account if you haven't done so already. And when you actually make your first deposit for money to gramble with, then you can enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and BetOnline will match your first deposit 50% of the way. That means if you put in uh, 100 bucks as your first deposit, BetOnline will slap 50 bucks in free play money right on top of it. That is promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so let's talk about training camp hype and the generalities of it. Like, how do we tell what's dumb training camp hype? Like, in 2019, we were all hyped about Laquan Treadwell. He had a good camp, and then he was still Laquan Treadwell. And what's, like, true training camp hype that, you know, wow, well, wait, there might be a player who's actually good. Like, Adam Thielen suddenly is, like, actually playing really well. Um, how do we tell the difference between the Holton Hills playing well in 2020 and the Cameron Dantzler playing well in 2020. And I think a big difference is the patterns. Um, look, most of what we have, and, and I try to combat this when I live tweet from camp, but most of what we have is the most spectacular stuff. The things that, you know, beat reporters and fans tend to post when they're there tend to put online for the people who can't make it to training camp to see um, are basically the highlights and the, the most fun stuff, the most spectacular stuff. You don't get the granular play by play. And I'm trying to do my best to, to stem that tide. But that means that generally you're only going to see when somebody made a really good play. And that means by proxy, you're only going to see somebody's worst play of the day. Right. And then you're going to go, wow, what a great play by KJ Osborne. And on that play, Cameron Dansler got beat. So Cameron Dansler is really bad. And You obviously shouldn't make those conclusions off of one clip or even a handful of clips. And so whoever that person was that like said, oh, it's just training camp clips um, is correct to be skeptical of training camp clips. The way to parse training camp is to look for patterns and to find a holistic view. And that can be hard. Training camp moves moves very, very fast. I can't get all the one on ones. I can't get all the plays and stuff myself. And that's why like the media reporters pool all the work, Right. Um, but if you were to say chart the results of one-on-ones that can be predictive, um, whether it's wide receiver, corner, one-on-ones, O-line D-line, one-on-ones, if you chart the results of, uh, you know, matchups in 11 on 11, not necessarily the result of plays in 11 on 11, maybe the general, like the offense seemed to be able to move the ball or didn't, but not, you know, yard by yard, whose carries got them. None of that stuff, but more, Hey, in 11 on 11s, the left tackle, And the defensive end across from him, you know, who won the most reps, that kind of stuff more on a more granular scale, you can find that and that will be predictive who's beating who I think is predictive. If you do that over the long like course, there's also something telling in the reps a player is getting. And this isn't to like appeal to the authority of the Vikings or to any NFL team, right? They can be wrong about this kind of thing. But Usually, what question are we trying to answer when we're talking about camp performance? I don't think should necessarily be uh, how they will do in the season, right? We're not trying to figure out how many yards Adam Thielen will get by watching his training camp. If you're looking for fantasy advice from this, you should probably look elsewhere. But I think we're trying to figure out, at least for me, I'm trying to pay attention to who is getting the job. And what reps a guy gets is our d- direct communication from the team saying, look, this guy's getting the job. Let me give you an example. Cam Smith took all of the first team reps at linebacker that I could see at least in Wednesday's practice. That is very, very telling. That's meaningful. DJ Wanham, all of the first team reps that I could see uh, in uh, opposite Daniel Hunter in uh, team drills. I didn't see Stephen Weatherly take any. That's, I think, really, really telling. And whether or not we agree with, you know, maybe uh, Nick Vigil was out playing Cam Smith and Nick Vigil with the twos was like dunking on everybody. Nick Vigil had a fantastic day. Um, But if, you know, maybe we disagree that whether or not they should be getting the first team reps, but that they are is informative of what kind of result is going to come of this camp, which would be, you know, Cam Smith being that much closer to the linebacker three job. And I, I think that is a more important thing to look at. And so that KJ Osborne is getting all of the third team reps or all of the first team reps at a third wide receiver lining up in the slot, sometimes lining up outside. If, you know, they, they'll have reps with KJ Osborne outside and Justin Jefferson in the slot, obviously for formations designed to attack slot res- or slot corners, um, you know, he's taking all of those reps. That's really meaningful. It means the Vikings have noticed how well he is playing and are rewarding him accordingly. And then as like, I don't know, a final aside, and I say this a lot, let yourself get hyped on training camp. Be excited about Irv Smith, who scores a ton of touchdowns a day, and he would, it was the same thing, you know. Be excited about how good he looks. Be excited about Jefferson. Be excited about Daniil Hunter. It's okay to get excited about your football team. We're a very shell-shocked fan base, ready to get hurt every single time. And I understand the, the impulse to be defensively pessimistic, to kind of say, well, I'm not going to bother getting my hopes up. If they win the Super Bowl, I'll be pleasantly surprised, and that'll be great. And if they don't, then I saw it coming. I get it, and I get that impulse. But you know what? Life's a lot more fun when you let yourself enjoy it. So let yourself get hyped on K.J. Osborne. Maybe he lets you down later. That's a problem for later you to deal with. For now, let yourself enjoy the moment. Let yourself enjoy training camp. And I hope you are enjoying all of the training camp coverage. We're going to be back with more of it tomorrow. But in the meantime, check out the Locked on Bets podcast with handicapping expert Lee Sterling and your boy Q. Breaking down everything in the world of grambling, breaking down their best. They've got like locks and wrong team favored stuff like that. Really good advice if you want to get your Gramble on. As for me, I'm Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. Show's on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. See y'all tomorrow, and as always, skull.